Thanks, Ben. Um, some of you may know me because I've been around for quite a long time. Um, I was with uh, this church, what, 20, 24 years ago, um, back when Allie and Phil and Jackie and uh, who else is here? The Maltinos were around. You guys weren't around. Um, Sally and Ian um, and the Ibrahams and the Tukes. Um, it's uh, it's always quite special um, speaking to you guys. For those of you who are newer to the church, um, you're going to find out a little bit more about me that, uh, well, you're actually all going to find out a little bit about me that you probably didn't know. Um, I'm quite a private person. I uh, I keep a lot of things to myself. Um, I'm going to share a little bit today about my life, um, a little bit about my hurts, my dreams, what God's done in my life. Um, I, I will promise you one thing. I, I will cry today. Um, as Ben shared, something happened to me and the Burtons. And uh, I just saw Georgia or Andrea walk in. Um, something happened to me three weeks ago that uh, was totally unexpected, something that I never thought would happen. And then the next day, something happened even bigger that I just, uh, I can't I can't even uh, explain in words. Um, in my life, God has worked unexpectedly over and over and over again. And uh, I'm going to talk through John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11 to start with. But one of the things that um, we do here at Calvary Chapel, we that I, that I love, I've always loved about Calvary Chapel, um, that we, we teach word by word, line by line, precept upon precept. The thing about the Bible is that most people don't understand is they overcomplicate things. They, they make it quite difficult. There's a reason why God put different books in the Bible for different things, like the, the book of Ephesians that Ben's teaching through. The Apostle Paul, he teaches this he sends a letter. He had already gone to this church in Ephesus. He had established a church there, and he, he left. And Paul had had so much truth in his life. He had met the Lord Jesus face to face. His life had changed. He had gifts beyond anything he could ever imagine. And yet when he left, there was something missing in the people's lives. They hadn't got it. And so he writes a letter to them to establish them, to remind them to encourage them and and similar to this book of John John tells us the reason why he writes this book and he simply says these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that believing you may have life in his name John didn't write this gospel so that you could actually work your tail off to get to heaven he wrote the book so that you would believe because God's done it all for you. And it took me a while to realize that. Even after meeting Jesus, it took me a while. But John chapter 8, he wrote this so that you would believe, so that I would believe. Verse 1, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. 
Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? And they, this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he, had, he did not hear. And when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and, and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one, he said to the woman, he but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. When I teach the Bible, when I teach at home, I remind people these are not just words on a page. You can't read the Bible in a monotone way. You can't do it. There's too much emotion. There's, there's too much going on. Um, never, ever read. Ask the Lord to reveal to you what's going on in these things. As we go through our story here, I'm just going to focus on just one person. Well, two, really, Jesus and the woman. The rest of the people, there's crowds, there's scribes, there's Pharisees, they're, they're religious leaders. They wanted nothing to do with Jesus because Jesus was teaching people the real way about God, who he really was, what he's really like. He goes in the morning, and he's starting to teach in the temple. And this is a no-no. They don't like this. And all of a sudden, they, they bring this woman, and they throw her in the midst, and she's caught in adultery. We don't know much about this lady. We, don't, we do know that she was caught in the very act, it tells us, so obviously people saw what was happening. We don't know why she was an adulterer. We don't know whether her husband had cheated on her and it led her to do something, or she just decided, I didn't want my husband anymore. Or maybe she just had, she was addicted to sex. We don't know. We just don't know. And the Bible doesn't tell us this. But we know that this is a law that God commanded not to do. Why? Because it hurts people. It just hurts people. And the world says, go ahead and do this stuff. And it, it's wrong. It just hurts. That's why God put these, these laws in place. So she's there. She's thrown in the midst. And we don't even know if she's even closed. I mean, what an embarrassment for her. What an atrocity. And they, these, these religious people didn't care one bit about her. Absolutely shocking. Verse 4 tells us that she's caught in the very act. She is a pawn in this chess match that the, the religious leaders are, are playing with Jesus. And they say to her, she should be stoned. Oh, my goodness. If you were this woman, 
you're on a death sentence. Today, I'm going to die. Never read these words and think that they're just words on a, on a page. She would have been terrified. She would have been crying her eyes out. She would have been trembling. I mean, we've all been in circumstances where we're scared. But if you're on death row and your life's in your hands, you are trembling. She would have been scared to death. And they all did this to test Jesus. And Jesus stoops down and ignores them. What a God. What a God. When people point fingers at us or we even point fingers at ourselves, Jesus is on our side. He's not going to listen to it because he loves us. He loves us. This woman didn't know Jesus. Oh, he was pretty famous. He's very famous, and they would have heard things about him, but she didn't know him. She didn't know him. And they continued asking him. They just badgered him. And here comes the unexpected. She never expected to be caught in adultery. She never expected to be put on display. She never thought her life was going on as it was. And then she's there, and she's going to be killed. And Jesus says something that would have blown her away, that would have given her hope. He said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Unbelievable. You know who was the only person who would qualify to throw that stone? It's Jesus himself. He was without sin. And again, he stoops down and ignores the men. And, and then it says in verse 9, and I want you to understand this. They heard it. It tells us they heard it. It's the word of God they heard. And being convicted by their conscience. And conscience in, in Greek, it's, it means with knowledge. They knew it. They understood. Because they knew they were out with, without sin. And some translators actually um, have verse 7 saying, he who is, who is without the same sin, go ahead and throw that stone. So whether they were adulterers or self, or as Jesus taught us on the Mount of Olives, or the, the, um, the Sermon on the Mount, if you even look at someone else, you've committed adultery. And you go, well, that's everybody. That's every single person. And Jesus didn't say this to make everybody feel bad. He said this because he wanted them back. He wants us all back. And their response, they walked away. They walked away. And the only people left is Jesus and this woman. And next comes the unexpected again. Jesus responds to her firstly and calls her woman at his utmost respect. Firstly, he stands up. He shows her dignity and respect, and he calls her woman. You can look at this and, and, and gloss over and go, what's, what's, what? You know, we call someone woman today. Like, if I call my wife woman, I, I'd probably be in trouble, you know? <laughs> Listen, woman, you know? <laughs> you know? But this is the same term he used with his mother, woman. He shows her total respect. I love this. And then he says to her, 
which is totally unexpected. Where are the accusers? He sent them all away. And it was just her and him. And I'm telling you right now, that's what it's all about. You and him. The day you meet him and the day, every day you walk with him, it's you and him. It's not anybody else. There are other people who are going to come into your life and do things, but ultimately, it's only him. It's only him. And then she responds in a way that probably she never expected to do this. She said to him, no one, Lord. She called him Lord. She knew she was wrong. She knew she was guilty. And she realized that he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. And she called him Lord. She never would have expected that. And then he responds in the most unexpected way to her. Neither do I. There's no one to condemn you. And she stood face to face with the living God and he said, I don't condemn you. He didn't condemn her because he loved her. This woman's life would have changed forever. Forever. Then he says something even more astounding that she never would have expected. Go and sin no more. People look at this as a command. And it is. But this is freedom. This is the word of God being spoken directly to her. And it would have given her power to break free from sin. It's his power. It's his word that does that. She never would have expected it. She went from death to life. In probably the matter of, I don't know, 15 minutes maybe? This whole thing, I don't know. She never would have expected it. And it's the same as us. We can go from death to life. Because our sins, the things we do wrong, maybe none of us are adulterers, except for in the, the way Jesus described it, but we all do wrong. And because of our sins, it separated us from God. But he comes on the scene 2,000 years ago and says, I'm going to die on a cross for your sins. I'm going to die for you. And he's going to be buried. He's going to rise three days later. He gets a new life so that we can get a new life. Our hearts can beat again, that God can breathe his life into us. It is absolutely remarkable because that's what God is like. He's not here to condemn. He's here to give you life. He's here to give you his life. His words changed her life forever. I can tell you one thing right now. She would have gone home, and that would have been trouble. Her husband probably would have divorced her unless something dramatically happened in his life. She would have been shunned by the community. But Jesus gave her some instructions to go. You can walk, you can go in freedom for the rest of your life. And I'm sure she would have had hurts, but she had power now. And she would have remembered this day for the rest of her life. I don't know if she was 20 or 30 or 40 or 50. We don't know. But we do know 
she would have been changed for the rest of her life. Absolutely awesome. Never read the scriptures as just words on a page. There's so much more. There's so much. God is a God of emotion. Um, what happened to this woman is similar to what happened to me. The unexpectancy of God. I'm very much like this woman. I didn't say I am a woman. I said I'm very much like the woman. Okay? I am... Um, I never grew up in the church. I had really nothing to do with Jesus. Um, I'll tell you a little bit of context. I'm going to tell you some things that I've, I've never told. I've never told anyone. Except for Jackie. And uh, I told you I'm going to cry today. And if you need tissues, they're in the back. And I, I'm just going to warn you now. Okay, I've got them. I'll make you laugh. I'll make you cry. Because uh, when I grew up, I was I was a good athlete. I was good. It just came easy to me. It didn't matter what it was. It just came easy. Football was a bit hard because I'm, I'm, I'm a little guy, you know? The other guys, they hurt. They hurt when they hit you. Yeah, they hurt. Um, but when I was 18 years old, I... Um, I uh, I was a soccer player, and then a basketball player, and then I ran track and field. And my senior year, I I became really good at track and field. I was good. Um, I was an 800 meter runner. I uh, I started getting faster and faster and faster, and I could fly. I could fly. And uh, I went to the conference championship, and I knew I I ran this this race, and I knew I was going to win. Back then, I was, I was proud. I was arrogant. But I also believed in what I was doing. I knew it. A lot's changed since then. Um, I don't know what the heck I'm doing half the time, <laughs> to be truthful. Um, thank goodness for Jackie. She keeps me on track. But uh, I ran the conference championship, and that was like 50 or 60 schools. And I get to the 800 meter, uh, the 600 meter mark, and there's a guy in front of me, um, and I just took off. I took off, and I blew his doors off, and it was awesome. It was awesome, and I, I beat him by I think it was six seconds, and I, I set the I set the conference championship record, and I walk off the track, and my buddy's sitting there, and I said, "Man, that was easy. I'm not even tired," and it was true. Something in my body was getting, I was going faster and faster. And I, was, I wasn't being nasty or anything. It was just like, that was easy. And a couple, I had a couple more races and regionals and things like that. We went to the state championship. And gee, I was getting fast. And uh, the state championship was on a, on, a, on a Monday night. And I went to school and I go to school and I'm usually wearing jeans and basketball sneakers and a T-shirt. Schools in America are a lot more lax than schools here. You know, you guys got to wear these ties and jackets. It was lax, and um, it rained, so they canceled it. And my coach is like, we got to do something. You know, we got to do some workouts. So I, we did some workouts in the hallway of my school. And my school was big, you know, 2,500 kids in my school, big school. 
And we're running around the hallways, and I get done, and man, my calf muscles are tight. And I've always had a tight body, always tight. Some people say my wallet is tighter than my, my, my body, but, you know, um, hopefully that'll change, you know. But um, it was always tight. I never could stretch very well. And uh, so they, they rescheduled the conference, the state championship for a, Friday, a Thursday night. And uh, my muscles, my calf muscles are so tight, so tight. And, and I knew the two kids who were, who were going to beat my challenges. I, I was going to beat them. I had no doubt, no doubt. And uh, we got to the 600-meter mark, and, uh, man, my legs were just so tight. My calf muscles, I just, they got in front of me. So the, the kid who got first was third in the nation. The kid who got second was fifth in the nation. I ended up being 11th in the nation. But I can tell you right now, if that was run on Monday, I would have won that race. And I would have been second or third in the nation in the United States. And I've never let anybody know that. It's, it was hard. But it was okay. I was, man, I was, that was good. Life was good. You know, life was good. I got a full scholarship to university. I went to Texas. Uh, the Rice University. I went there because uh, my father was a graduate of Yale, and none of his kids had actually gone to prestigious universities. And my father, Yale, uh, Rice was like eight or nine in the country. It was really good academically, and he was really proud that I did that. And I wanted to go there because all the best runners go to Texas, and I was ready to to light the world on fire. And uh, there was fire. It, I crashed and burned. My, uh, I started running probably 50, 60 miles a week. So what's that, 100 kilometers? And over the over the course of the year, my knees started hurting, and my body was hurting. And man, I, I just, it was hard. And finally, a doctor came and he checked me out. He was an alumni who was at NASA, and he did some X-rays and some scans, and he said. Uh, you know, your femurs, which are these these bones in here, didn't grow into your hip sockets correctly. And he said to me, it's it's over. And I got a second opinion. For a 19-year-old kid, wow, to be told it's over, I wasn't ready for that. No kid should ever ever deal with that. There's lots of things going on in the world that kids should never experience. But that was hard. That was hard. But I never told anybody. I, I roomed with Rodney for four years. You probably never saw me cry, Rodney. It was hard watching other people who I knew I was better than. I had more gifts. It was hard. It was hard. And... uh Ten years later, I get a, an email or a letter from Rodney saying he's going to get married. Ten years had passed and a lot of things had happened in my life. Good and bad. Life goes on. And I come to Australia and uh, I witnessed something that I had never witnessed before. Um, 
I was hanging out with Rodney and his his church friends, and I uh, I saw something. And it says this: Jesus said, "A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you; that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another." And I saw people who loved Rodney. And something started to happen in my life. I've never told you that, Rodney. It's the first time I've ever told anybody that. But I could see something. Was, that was, he had something that I didn't. And then he started sharing with me on the corner of Elizabeth and now it was Liverpool and College Street about do you believe? And whew, he said, do you believe? We were talking. And I can tell you, my temperature went up and I was scared. And I said, yeah, I believe. And I meant it. I meant it. And that fraction of an instant I said that, my whole life changed. My whole life changed. The unexpectancy of God. I can't tell you if it was a vision in my brain or whether it was Jesus standing on that corner, but he stood right there on the corner of a college in Liverpool. And I was shocked to the core that God was real, that he was real. He wasn't a fictional character. He wasn't some thing that people have been talking about for 2,000 years, and it's a hope that maybe this or that. Wow, he was real. And my entire brain changed. You, some of you guys have heard this before. What I thought was true was false. What I thought was false was true. Everything flip-flopped in my head. And I'm telling you, I have never experienced anything like that before in my life. Holy smokes, that was shocking. Shocking. Like never before. The unexpectancy of God. I met Jackie during that time for the first time. I won't tell you the story in full because it's too long. She walks in that door and I know exactly who she was. That's the girl I'm going to marry. I knew it. I knew it right from that get-go. Took her a little while, but not too long. <laughs> not too long. You know, you go through life, probably from about 15 onwards, you, 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 you look at girls and you're like, oh, she's pretty or blah, blah, blah. You know, that's what you do. And no, nobody ever was right. Nobody was right. And then she was right. Absolutely Fantastic. I knew it right then. The unexpectancy of God. He put this godly woman in my life. So I leave Australia, go back home, and that was hard because I was alone. It was me and God. It was hard in one way, but good in another. And I would go to work and I would have to deal with my sin of what I had said over the years and what I had done and what I had thought. And it was hard. And then I went and got a Bible, like Barnes & Noble, someplace like that. Because where else do you get a book? And there's a story in that too. There's a story in that too. And I started reading the Bible and 
it started coming alive to me. He was teaching me things. It was alive. It was living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, the Bible tells us. And it's true. And wow. And during that time, he, he dealt with a lot of my pain. A lot of my pain. A lot of my pain with my father. A lot of my pain with me and what happened to me. A year later, I married Jackie. Absolutely awesome. Greatest love story you'll ever hear. It, it, there's, there's so much in it. It's really good. Um, time goes by, and I, uh, I came to Calvary Chapel in Sydney, and uh, at times it was very hard for me. It was really hard for me. The only person who probably knows some of this is Phil because he experienced a lot of it too. And uh, and then church went haywire. Some of you know all about that. And uh, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody else except recently. Um, I never wanted to leave. I never wanted to leave because I... I asked someone for advice about what to do when he said, if you leave, Bob, you're leaving family. You were leaving family. Paul and Trudy, you were family. And Ron Fiona, you were family. Who else is here? Les and Lucy, you were family. Joel and Carol, you were family. Allie and Phil, you were family. Sally and Ian, you were family. And many more who aren't here. You know, when I came to this country, holy smokes, you accepted me. I, you you loved Jackie. I, I saw that, and then you loved me, and and it was it was good. And you and to be accepted is just a really really nice kind thing. But all you were really doing was reflecting the love of Jesus. You were doing what he told you to do. Um, so I pondered for three months whether to leave or not. And it was hard. And during that time, Jesus said to me over and over and over again, it came into my brain. Um, as a lamb led to the slaughter, so he opened not his mouth and I kept quiet because I had lots to say. But they wouldn't have been nice. They wouldn't have been nice. And he was teaching me. And then one day I'm in the I'm in the backyard hanging out laundry. Yes, I hang out laundry. Um, and he said, It's time to go. It's time to go. And that's the reason why I left. Because he told me it's time to go. And uh, we left the next week. Um, and I remember at the time, Jackie said to me, I feel like I got my husband back. I married the woman of my dreams. I came across the world. And I wasn't the husband I was all the time. 
And she said, I got my husband back. That was a great day. It was a great day. Thank you for bearing with me, hon. Um, that's the reason why I left. Um, then I went and took over a, a church. Someone asked me to take over their church. I thought it was tough before I went there. <laughs> Holy smokes, thanks God. You're doing a great job here with me. Man, the opposition I got was unbelievable. But I love teaching. I love seeing the freedom in the people. Um, I usually teach when I teach you the Bible. I don't usually talk about myself. But I usually teach word verse by verse, coming through what it means. This is different. I'm a different person. You'll find out why. I've got about 15 more minutes. We're good. I am taking a look at this. I had it down to 57 minutes last night, and I went, now I got it down to 43. So we're good. We're good. So I'm teaching. I'm teaching one Sunday morning, and I'm going. I'm teaching through the book of Romans, and these people are loving it. They're absolutely loving it, and I'm loving it. And I realize, crap, I'm in an hour. I've been teaching for an hour. So I said, listen, do you want me to stop or should we just finish off? They go, keep going, finish it. They were loving it. And I was like, we, I taught for an hour and 20 minutes and it was just fantastic. They were, because it was the word of God coming alive. Time didn't matter. I felt like the Apostle Paul and people falling out of a, out of a windowsill because they were going on all night and falling asleep. Uh, got any more tissues? Because I'm running out here. Um, so then I went to, uh, that, 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 that went, that went pear shape, but I knew why, I knew why, I knew what was happening. Um, circumstances led me over to John's fellowship and John, thank you for, and you and Tina for loving my family. Accepting us, I learned how to, I learned how to cry through John. Because John just loves the Lord, he loves the scriptures, he loves to see people free. Thank you for that. I learned grace. I knew grace before, but I, I saw I saw it in what you did. We used to have people come in with dogs, dogs to who brings dogs to church. I mean, seriously. These little Pomeranians, like it took us a week to figure out it wasn't just a handbag. It was a Pomeranian there, you know? And if it was me, I would have said, don't, don't you know, maybe leave the dog at home, you know? But John's just graceful, and he's, eh, just keep him coming. They're listening to the word. Who cares, you know? Very funny stuff. Very funny stuff. But I learned, I learned grace. And then uh, through time goes by, and eight years ago, my, my back goes out. My back goes out, and I'm like, crap. So for eight years, every three or four months, my disc slips, and and I'm in pain. And I'm, listen, I'm in knee pain. I'm in hip pain because of what happened to me when I was 18. I'm in back pain, and but I'm still playing basketball <laughs> because I'm a knucklehead. I love basketball. I'm going to keep playing. Um, but my whole body's in pain. So in October, I finally decided I'm gonna I'm gonna do something. I gotta do something about my back pain. I can't be a 60 year old and be just decrepit. I mean, I'm decrepit at 52. What, what am I gonna be at 60? 
you guys are all gone. Yeah, you are decrepit, man. <laughs> and uh, I, I started going to Pilates. It took me a month. No, it took me three months to actually make the call. Because if I do something, I do it full bore. I do it full bore. So I started going in, and I went there, and went there on a Saturday, and she sort of talking to me about stuff, and we did about five minutes, and something happened where she activated my glutes. Maybe they were asleep for forever. I go to basketball on Monday, and Jackie came. She never comes to my basketball games. She comes, and I'm here and there she comes, and I'm, I'm, I stretch, and I'm the only person who stretches before basketball. Still can't understand why guys can't figure out once you turn 18, your body starts to get tighter and tighter. But I have to. And I started running, and I was floating across the floor. I was like 18 years old again. I was like floating. So I was like, man, there's, if, this is, if this is five minutes of Pilates, what's a couple of weeks going to do? I mean, I'm going to be bouncing off the walls. So 16 weeks go by, and I'm getting stronger. And it hurts like you wouldn't believe. But it's good. It's a good hurt. That's what she tells us. It's a good hurt, you know. But I'm getting stronger. My 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 midsection's getting strong. My glutes are getting strong, and and it's not working. Nothing seems to be going. So after four weeks of Pilates, the, she says to me, "You should go get a massage because your muscles are tight." So I go into the massage, and she's like, "Nobody's body's this tight. Nobody's." And, like, it takes forever to loosen things up. And, like, I, I actually think I've been like this from birth. Like, my muscles are just so tight, I can't stretch. And uh, so she says something to me. She challenges me about, I'm free. She's got my hips free. She's got my hips free. And I'm just like, holy smokes, what the heck is going on here? But I can't get to work to work. To cut a long story short, I go to Coles and I started stepping with my feet and as I'm pushing my heels down, I can feel my glutes and as I'm feeling my glutes, the pain in my back starting to disappear. And then I'm starting to realize my knee pain starting to disappear. And then I'm starting to realize my hip pain starting to disappear. That this is the start of healing from my body. And I can tell you every scan of emotion, it, it was it was unbelievable. I, I I couldn't believe it. Like it's still there, but it's the start. I could it's, something's changing here. Like it's unbelievable. And so I I think I cried for the first time in twenty, maybe fifty two years. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. Then I came to church the next day, and Ben's teaching through Ephesians. And if you would turn to Ephesians. Again, the reason why Paul wrote to the Ephesians is because they were missing something. They were missing something that he wanted them to have. And uh, I'm telling you, to be free in your body is remarkable. For 34 years, I've been dealing with pain. And like, I can actually walk straight up, I'm telling you. 
this is totally different for me. Totally different. Um, this is where it goes from ridiculous to sublime. Okay? The unexpectancy of God. And I've read through Ephesians. If you've been in this church, you would remember Ephesians quite well. And I, I you know, I read these things and I, I know that during this time I've been sharing with a, a lovely young lady about how much God loves her. How much God loves her. How much God loves her. And I know God loves me here. I know God loves me here. I, I know. I've, I've been teaching the Bible for 20 odd years. I know. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. But we get to Ephesians chapter 3, and it says this. Six, verse 16. That he would grant you. Do you understand what it says? When he would grant you, something was missing. It wasn't connecting. That he would grant you, that he would grant Bob, that he would grant me, according to the riches of his glory, which is unbelievable if you think about the riches of the glory of God. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. If you thought about that for a while, the width and the length and the depth and the height of love, God's love, it's, it knows no bounds. It's beyond space and time. And it says to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then here it came. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And I prayed for healing. And I know some of you have prayed for healing. I thank you for it. And it hit me like a ton of bricks that he loved me. And it wasn't here, and it wasn't here. It was so much bigger. It was huge. It was like a flood of love nailed me. And it was like the release of my muscles and the release of my body allowed him to touch something in me that I never even knew I was holding back. I never knew it. And we've read through Ephesians how um, you know, we, we allow God into our life and once we finally become born again and born again, you look at it like a term like, whoa, born again, it's pretty crazy, you know. It's not, it's just becoming alive to God. It's all, simply what it is. It's something that has to happen. He, Jesus was talking to a, a a Pharisee, a religious leader. He said, you have to be born again. God has to become alive in you. You're born. You've got it there. It just needs to come. You need to come face to face with him. You need to realize that you're a sinner. And when you do, that you're guilty before God and know that Jesus paid all the price for you, bang, it happens. Don't overcomplicate it. And he came upon me in love 
that I've never experienced before. I couldn't believe it was like 1 Corinthians chapter 13 came alive that you should desire the best gifts. And I know I've got gifts. I've got the gift to teach. I've got other gifts. But then it says in the end, desire the best gifts, but I show you a better way. And the better way is love. The better way is him himself. I, um, I think it was Charles Finney. Was it Charles Finney? That he had an experience of waves and waves of love coming over him to the point where he thought, if it doesn't stop, I'm going to die. But the end result was he had a love inside of him that he, he couldn't manufacture. He never expected it. And it just happened. And I'm telling you right now, it's in me. I'm becoming different. I actually hug people. I, I cry. I cry. I don't cry. I think differently. I talk differently. I stand differently. Everything's different. Even people at work. I'm sitting there having a testimony to the CEO of the organization in the boardroom. And he's loving it. He's loving it. I'm telling him what's happened in my life. Totally different. You know? That God loves me. But he loves all of us. You know, he, he loves everyone. But it's sin that stops us. It's sin that stops us. I don't know where this is going to go. But he doesn't give gifts like this to show off or to do something. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, I wanted to share this with you because it's, it's, it's momentous. It happened 22 days ago, and I cried for 21 of them. I had one day off. I had one day off. Um, but that's okay. You know, it's okay. It's okay. Um, don't ever think that God's not going to do something expect him at the most ridiculous time never give up hope you know listen will my body, my body totally heal I don't know you know but it's a start. It's a start. You know? But the greatest thing he gave me was love. I, I, look, at, I look at scripture differently. I hear words in, in music differently. I see people differently. I actually love them. That's not me. That's not me. You know, there are people you love because of reasons. And then you love just because, well, God loves them. That doesn't come from me. That doesn't come from you. It comes from him. It's astounding. It's astounding. Um, listen, hopefully this has helped you. I, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was good for me to tell some of these things. Um, pain's real. 
hurts real. But Jesus is real. And he can heal your broken heart. And he can take you places and do things that you never imagined. Never imagined. Don't ever read the Bible as words on a page. It's living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides between the soul and the spirit, which is basically our emotional and the spiritual, the truth. You know? Between the bone and the marrow, and it is the discerner of your, the intents of your heart. Simple as that. And we'll pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your peace. Thank you so much for your word. Um, I praise you for the times of hurt, and I praise you for times of healing. We're told to praise you in all things, and we do. We thank you for all your love. I pray that... Um, and through this, you would help all of us to walk closer with you. That we would be pleasing to you. And the only way scripture tells us to please you is by faith. Not by anything we do. Because we really can't do anything for a perfect and almighty God. But I pray that you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen.